Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Yo, what's going on, Busted Open Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Busted Open Podcast. Today, it's the return of the fat and the furious with myself, Bully Ray, and my tag team partner, the innovator of violence, the owner of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer, breaking down Monday Night Raw. Going to see what Dreamer thought about it. Did he love it or did he hate it? Ray Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, the Mysterio family taking on Buddy Murphy in a street fight. Lots of kendo sticks, and who better to talk about it than Tommy Dreamer. Also going to be taking lots of calls from the nation. Want to know what you guys were thinking about Monday Night Raw. The promos, the characters, the finishes, the iconics. Should they have ever broken them up? Do you get Raw Underground? Is anybody getting over in the underground? Under, over, over, under. And Tommy Dreamer is going to completely shoot on what he thinks is wrong with the wrestling business today. All that, so much more. The Fat and the Furious edition of the Busted Open Podcast. Turn it up! If we want to talk bad, we should talk about Monday Night Raw. All right, well, I'm genuinely interested in what you have to say. So maybe in about an hour, uh, we'll talk about that. So right off the bat, did you, you watched Raw last night, right? What, what did you think of the, old, the whole show? If you have to give it an overall, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, a grade, or the, how many Singapore games did you give it? Oof. Um, a, a three or a four. Singapore Canes, a C minus. Has nothing to do with ever the work rate of the performers. If we're talking like, dude, and and you got to understand, like I'm going to go, if I'm to steal your line, if I have the pencil, I have to make sure it is my job to put on the greatest show I possibly can, especially to hook people till next week, because next week comes that juggernaut, Bum, 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 Monday night football. And there's going to be fans in the crowd. It's going to be different. I don't know if I, I really did enjoy the, the end of how raw went off the air, but man, there was a lot of blah. And if I'm looking at it, I literally, and it's our, our job to break down the show. If I'm looking at this and saying, well, hmm, one of my shows is is uh, getting beat up on Wednesday nights, not so much beat up, but people are watching it because they're watching another product. Like, Bub, you were there. Um, do you remember tag team wrestling being promoted to the top, top, top of the card in WWE? I remember when certain tag teams took the bull by the horns and made them promote tag team wrestling to the top of the card. Fabulous. Well, thank you because you kind of answered my, if I'm looking at this show, it's like, well, if my, I don't want to call them AEW competition, but like all of a sudden everything is tag team matches. And if I'm looking at a flow of a show, it's like, okay, I'm going to do a tag team match. Uh, then I'm going to do a turn. Then I'm going to do a tag team match. And when that tag team, like, does any tag team get along in the WWE? We have, uh, we had the turn, which I really did like, and the match I loved. <clears throat> then the next uh, match, where is it? Here we go. Uh, Street Profits, Andrade, Angel Garza. Looks like another turn. They're not getting along. Then we do Peyton Royce versus Billy Kay. Oh, by the way, they just split up last week. Then we do Asuka and Mickey James. They don't get along. And uh, our tag team champions, uh, they don't get along. So who the frig gets along in as a tag team? Uh, and then I if I know. look at, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I look like, it's like, okay, placement. And then, and I, and I get it. And I did love like, 
the Drew McIntyre being Drew and still being in the building. And you knew he was going to come out and lay out Randy Orton. Thankfully, that wasn't the main event. But you just promote probably the biggest star from NXT. He kicks ass. His debut on television hasn't been most uh, basking in his glory. It's been mediocre at best. And you only have like a couple of what? Uh, what is that saying? You have one opportunity to make a first impression. Yeah. And yes, his first impression has been okay. But like, is he like this next giant star that he was supposed to be in NXT? Yes, he beat Randy Orton, but then Randy Orton beat him. And literally this is the third match. And it ends in, uh, you know, it, it was just like, I seriously look at this and I'm like, what is going on? Like, who approves all this stuff? And, and I'm not trying to be like super cynical. It's just like, I literally, I love this business. I love Monday Night Raw. I love uh, NXT, Impact, AEW. And then like, but some of the stuff that's being presented, I'm like, really? Yeah. Eric Young, when we had him, he was like, if you couldn't find five minutes to put me on your show, that's a disservice to your fans. And now I'm literally looking at it, I'm like, wow, like, how, how, how can somebody just say this is the best possible scenario I could put out there? Well, I mean, we know who the final yes and no person is. Everything runs through Vince. It seems like um, everything is micromanaged by Vince more than it ever has been. And you know what? It hit, it's his bat. It's his ball. It's his company. He's entitled to look over every little last thing and scrutinize it. But what we're getting uh, on Monday nights uh, seems to be a bit lackluster, or at least last night was. You know, me and Dave were excited, and I'm sure you were, that SummerSlam was a good show, and then Payback was a good show. But last night, I looked at the clock, and it was 9.30, and I was like, holy crap. This is a very slow-moving show. And I, and I sit there, and I ask myself why. I really do, because I give, I give the WWE, and I give all wrestling companies the benefit of the doubt. And I say to myself, what's wrong? What's wrong? Is it me? Well, I don't think it's me, because I go in with an open mind, and I want to be entertained. The problem is this nobody's over and that's it and that's what i keep going back to nobody is over yes you have your randy ortons yes they're trying to build drew but nobody is truly truly over nobody to me is truly commanding that spotlight and that audience and i know it's not the audience uh, of actual human beings in attendance i know we, we're getting you know get through this pandemic shit one day and hopefully we'll be able to see it but nobody is really resonating with me much like you i liked the end of the show i liked it because uh, I, it, it was a unique visual of the entire Mysterio family caning Buddy Murphy, you know, uh, within an inch of his life. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Bravo to Buddy Murphy. Props to Buddy Murphy. Great job, Buddy Murphy, because on a weekly basis, Buddy Murphy continues to help get Dominic Mysterio over. Uh, they're putting it, Dominic in positions to succeed, and Dominic is doing a decent job, but he's not able to do a decent job unless he has somebody in there as the leader, as the general. And Buddy has done a phenomenal job with that. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I think Buddy is phenomenal. And he was one of those guys that there was this groundswell movement for, hey, this guy goes out there, works his ass off each and every week. He wasn't being focused on, you know, he was a guy who, dude, and you know this, when you're over with the boys because of your work, I don't want to say they'll start pushing for you, but it gets noticed. It gets noticed from the fans. And this is a lot what I'm talking about because, dude, you know, I'll see people tweeting on social media and there, there are a lot of people that are negative and that, Hey, that's one thing. But then I'm literally watching people who've never been in professional wrestling and they're making these statements and I'm like, they're right. And 
I'm like, and, and I know this, these people have never had one wrestling match or the people who just like, you know, they're just fans offering their opinion and everybody's opinion is validated or is valuable and we're entitled to it. But when then you're taking someone who has 30 years experience doing this and I'm like, wow, this person's a hundred percent correct. That's because it's a different, it's a different era, man. It's so is you have to change and adapt with the times. Like I was yesterday, I'm sorry, Sunday was, or was it Monday? Anyway, uh, the streak of Cal Ripken playing. Uh, 25 years, breaking Lou Gehrig's record, a record that will probably never in my lifetime be broken. And his nuances of the game, and, and everybody can play with baseball. You and I could go out in the, in the backyard and play wiffle ball, regular baseball, but we've never played it at the professional level. And here's a guy who played every game uh, at a Hall of Famer, all this stuff. And like his nuance for the game, I'm literally sitting there and I realize why I'm a mark for baseball. But I don't think a lot of people realize why, and I don't want to say a mark, but like there's people who really love the sport and they follow it. And then there's other people who make these statements and they're correct, but then they don't understand the nuances of a lot of it. And Raw was like, and I'm seriously just like you, dude. I had to watch it a little later because I had a fantasy draft. I had two fantasy drafts. I had to have a conference call and I'm started, I started watching it about uh, 10.15. And like you said, at 11 o'clock, I'm like feeling like it's four o'clock in the morning. And I have to like, I know I have to watch this show because of, of this morning, because of work. And I don't want to have to watch wrestling because of work. I watch wrestling. I watch sports. I watch because I love it. I invest my time in it and I want the best stuff that I could watch, uh, view and digest it and love it. And I didn't get that feeling last night at all. Here's a confession. I do not DVR raw ever. I have to watch it live. You know why? Cause you won't watch it. I won't watch it or I'll just skim through it. And I don't want to skim through it. Cause I don't think that's fair to obviously fans on busted open who tune into this show to hear us talk about shows like raw and every other wrestling show. And I don't want to skim through it. Cause I don't want to, I don't think that's fair to the guys and the gals out there performing, but I know that I'm, I've been underwhelmed so much lately that I have to watch it live. This way I'm forced to watch it. And this way I can give it a fair shake. Fantasy Sports Radio has your chance to join the virtual Allison Chains and Friends Fantasy Football Draft on Tuesday, September 8th via Zoom. Featuring Jerry Cantrell from Allison Chains. For details on how to register for this event, go to SiriusXM.com slash AIC Draft. No purchase necessary to win. Must be a U.S. resident and at least 18 years old. Registration is first come, first serve. Go to SiriusXM.com slash AIC draft. What we were talking about was Dominic Mysterio and Buddy Murphy. Uh, so let me get some more of your thoughts on it, Tommy. Um, how do you think this whole story and scenario that the WWE has given us with the Mysterio family, Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy has played out from day one and up until last night, uh, does this story have you uh, intrigued, invested? Do you want to see more? Or after last night, do you want to see it come to an end? I liked it. Uh, I like, I love the ending of the whole family uh, putting it together. I love the mom and the sister undoing the ropes. And that was a sweet ass move that sliding power bomb sunset flip through the table, uh, locking him in and everyone caning the crap out of him. I think for, yeah, it could have been Seth Rollins. I think it's going to have a little bit more legs. Don't know how much more it's got. But, I mean, after that, it was super duper. It was a good way to go off the air, especially a Labor Day feeling. A nice family barbecue, uh, you know, at the Mysterio home. They just came the crap out of an Australian uh, Buddy Murphy. And uh, like you said, too, and me and Mark had discussed it. Uh, Dominic Mysterio has been 
grown under fire in you know the WWE. He's doing a very, very good job. We wish there were live events where he could go out there and feel the crowd and you could hear the response of the people, of how he's getting over, how they're receptive to him. And you know, it, it's hard to be uh, in the spotlight. It's hard to be a second uh, generation wrestler and he's, he's doing great. I mean, he's gotten himself, he went from a heavier set kid to now he's looning, losing weight and he's like lean muscle. And uh, it's with maturity, his body's going to mature, but uh, I hope to see a long, long career for Dominic Mysterio, but I like what they're doing. And I think it has one or two more legs. Uh, and then it's time for him to move on and continue to grow up. Cause he has, he grew up as a little cute little kid that was involved in, you know, storylines uh, all the way now till he's a WWE superstar. Uh, and I think even more important in growing into his body, he has to grow into his own athletic ability. He does a lot of really good stuff out there, but then sometimes I see him and he reminds me of like a great Dane puppy, <laughs> you know, where he wants to play and he's flopping around a little bit. And he's just a little unsure of what he's doing, but that's okay. That's going to come with time. And this is where those live events come in. You know, Seems like for the past year or two in the WWE, the kendo stick has been the weapon of choice. I feel like they're using that weapon a little bit too much, although last night I felt it was the right weapon. Like, I wish they would get away from it because I feel like it would have meant so much more last night. What do you think? Bub, you said it. Uh, the perfect word is weapon. I say this all the time. The kendo stick, the shanai, uh, whatever you want to call it, the Singapore cane, it's the only real weapon in professional wrestling. Not a table, not a chair. It's used to train people in martial arts. I can't say what happens tonight live on Access Television because it's not live, but I can't give you a spoiler alert of the fact of I got hit or get hit with that Singapore cane, and it was a month ago, and I still have damage to the area that hit me with, to the point where now I have to go to a doctor because I'm concerned about it. The Singapore cane hurts like a son of a bitch. It is job is to hit and cut. That's what the Singapore cane or, or the kendo stick does. It friggin' I wear a shirt for two reasons. One, I'm a little large, but two, I have a bunch of scars all over my body because of a kendo stick. It hurts like a son of a bitch. I was wondering the whole time during the match, like, why does Buddy Murphy, who has a great body, why is he wearing a shirt? And I realized why, because that'll help prevent getting cut up until when the Mysterios lifted up his shirt. That could be a rib called from the back saying, lift up his shirt. But it hurts, man. It hurts. There, no matter how light you swing it, no matter how hard you swing it, it's going to leave an imprint. It's going to hurt. He took an ass kicking from the Mysterios and uh, it sucks. It really sucks from person who's continually getting beat from it. And uh, I don't want to be, I'm associated with it forever. And when my career ends, I will probably burn every kendo stick I can because it, it's given me some post uh, traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and like I was saying, I think it would have meant so much more last night. Um, but I've seen this weapon used to death lately in the WWE for reasons I don't, I, I have no idea. It just seems to be, it's almost becoming as passe as the table. It seems like they protect the table more than they do the kendo stick. Although seeing the entire family uh, sticking up for themselves, sticking up for one another, and taking all of their frustrations out on Buddy Murphy, much like Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins did to Dominic it worked. It was relatable. We can all relate to a family sticking together, and they stuck it to Buddy with a bunch of kendo shots to go off the air. Made him an Australian human pinata. You know, when I take a look at the careers that we had, Tommy, being on the road 300 days a year as compared to the schedule that they have now, in a weird way, what they're doing now is harder. 
Because when you're on the road 300 days a year and you're wrestling 300 days a year, you become like a machine. You can go out there every single night. You're in ring shape. You can wrestle, 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 go, go, go. And it just becomes like second nature. You know, getting up, taking a shower, using a bathroom, brushing your teeth, hitting the gym, going out there and wrestle. Now these guys and gals... They wrestle like once a week sometimes. And wrestling once a week is difficult because it's like having to, you know, the the engine goes cold for a week. And all of a sudden you got to rev it up and you got to be ready to go for Monday Night Raw. So, I mean, do, do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you feel like it's a more difficult time to wrestle right now because they're wrestling so infrequently, which consequently could be the reason why we're getting a lot of injuries lately? Oh, dude, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'll give you from my own personal what happened to me. Uh, last time we were at impact and impact, we're literally wrestling once a month and we're doing all these different weeks of TVs. I had to wrestle five times in four days. And I also, the upcoming story that I'm having, like the first two are wrestling matches and I'm not wrestling all the time. I remember the, literally the first match where I'm wrestling and not doing my brawling and not doing my other. And I was just like, what is this in my lungs? <gasps> like, Oh wait, is that burn? Is, am I blowing up? And I do so much cardio and I'm just, but I'm not, in, I wasn't in ring shape and I was struggling to try to make it through because yes, I haven't like even being on the Indies, it's, you're wrestling every weekend. I'm wrestling four times. I'm still doing that cardio, but it's totally, totally different uh, to the point where for the, I said, Hey, they want me to have two single matches in the same day. I go, I can't do that. We need to break it up to a singles and a tag and I'll do it tomorrow. We got to tape out of order. I have no gas left in the tank because I give it my all and I don't have that today. And even, you know, we're discussing, we're talking about AEW and, you know, there was a lot of people, uh, being super duper critical of the show. And some of it was correct. Some of it wasn't, but then there's these intangibles or, or variable factors that you don't realize. And then you have to, you find out after the show about how hot it was in Jacksonville, Florida, and the humidity was a whole different level. And it's one thing to be out there in air conditioning and uh, in the back, but also like if you're out there all day in the sun and in the humidity, I laugh all the time. You go to the beach. What do people usually say when you come back? Man, I'm exhausted. What did you do? You did nothing, but you just laid around on the beach, but your body gets beat up from that weather. And like, just think about when you're tired and doing nothing. Think about if you went out there and had to perform on a pay-per-view and how you're going to feel that way. It's big difference. And you and I experienced it back in the day with ECW. There was no air conditioning in the ECW arena in the back. We would be dying during the summer, sweating, and then having to go out there and put on these amazing, memorable performances. But it was a struggle, man. Uh, and waiting around doesn't do you any good, too. You know, some, some sometimes if you're in the main event, like, you know, the Mysterios were last night, um, I know that they're not sweating and everything, but let's just take the main, whatever the main event of uh, uh, All Out was, you know, Moxley and, and MJF having to wait around all night. And in Florida, outdoors, the heat, but mostly the humidity. And you know what? Izzy came on the show yesterday, and she was telling us because she was at All Out, she said that, you know, it was about a four, four and a half hour show and about halfway through, you know, they had sucked the life out of the people, not they, the show, they, the, the weather, you know, uh, it, it was so oppressive out there. And, that, and that's going to affect wrestlers performances also. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it in to make it. Somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. 
Said we were going to go straight out to the nation because we want to know what you thought of Monday Night Raw. Call in. Let us know. 877-344-4893. Answering all your questions that has to do with the WWE and Raw. Corey in Rockland. Brutal honesty, Corey. What did you think of the show? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? No, I don't want to say I hated it, but it was not that good last night. It was long. It was gimmicky. It was disappointing with uh, with a bunch of things. It was it was tough to watch. What do you mean by gimmicky? Well, it was like okay, so you had the two tag matches where they were both turns. You had the two handicap matches. Um, then it was like you had the VIP lounge, which I don't know why they rushed that when that should be next week. What does Cedric Alexander have to say? The next thing you know, that turned into the eight man tag. And then Dominic versus Buddy Murphy. It turned into the street fight with the whole Mysterio family getting involved. And the biggest disappointment was the Iconics match because it felt like, okay, let's just get this match out of the way, and then we're going to move forward to what, to me, what seems like they're going to move forward with Peyton Royce because after the match you heard Michael Cole go, and now Peyton Royce moves on with her singles career. Let me ask you a question, Corey. Are you a fan of the Iconics? I love them. Why? They were fun. They were entertaining. In all honesty, I met them a bunch of times at signings and things like that. They were always nice and always into the fans. It was, they were always just a good team to watch. And they were a real female tag team. Corey, can I ask you a question? How many matches have you had? How many matches have I had? Zippo. Great. Well, guess what? You just uh, shared pretty much the same sentiment of two guys who are almost doing... uh, it for 60 years combined. Uh, and that's why we love you. And we love the nation because we felt the same thing. And just like I was talking before, I don't know if people had heard it. Uh, I watched the Cal Ripken streak and him giving the simple nuances about, uh, baseball stuff that I don't even know about. And I've been watching baseball since I was a little boy. This business is different. And as like for ECW, it was my job and Paul Heyman's job to take people on a ride and take you on an emotionally invested, supercharged ride. I don't feel that Monday Night Raw made me feel that way last night. And obviously it didn't make you feel that way either. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. No, and, it gave me, and it gave me no reason to turn in that, uh, to tune in next week. Like, what does, what's going to happen with Cedric Alexander? Are the Iconics going to have another, you know, big fight? Or what happened with the Underground? It was just like, you know, all right, it, it'll be there next week like it has been for the past 30 years. All right, Corey. And thanks, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, uh, Tommy. Thanks, guys. One of the things, I want to get your opinion on this, and I, I we share the same fat brain, so... You know they had the they had the back to back handicap matches with with Liv and Ruby against Shayna and Nia. Now I don't know about you, but if Shayna Baszler gets a key lock or an arm bar or any type of arm hold on a wrestler like Ruby Riot or Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan, that match should be over in the snap of a finger. Shayna Baszler is on the same level of badassery as a Ronda Rousey. Do they portray her as that in the WWE? Absolutely not. But whoever is putting those matches together or helping those women put those matches together should be be saying, no, Shayna cannot get any kind of hold on Liv Morgan or Ruby Riot because in reality, if Shayna ever got a hold on them, she would snap their limbs in an instant. And those are the things that you could have done anything else. Why get in a hold? And then all of a sudden, Ruby Riot is able to get out of the hold? You're telling me that badass, legit MMA, octagon, shoot fighter, kick-ass Shayna Baszler can't hold on to a freaking key lock? Bro, let me tell you, I'm known as the innovator of violence, the heart and soul of ECW, the heart and soul of professional wrestling. Literally, from her performances from NXT... And for her MMA background, I say that's one tough girl that me, Tommy Dreamer, would not want to fight. 
And when I say fight, I'd be talking like, man, I think that girl might be able to take me. And I'm not talking about old Tommy Dreamer. I'm talking about younger in my prime, full of hair, piss and vinegar because of how she's been portrayed. And as simple things like that, then I say, eh, I could take her. There are people that have that mystique about them. She has that mystique. Just like when we've discussed with old wrestlers where you were there when Terry Funk slapped you across your face, you were like, oh my God, what do I do? Hey, you may have fought Terry Funk, but you were also like, I think this old man may fight me or the Sheik or Kevin Sullivan or New Jack even had that or, or, Taz, Taz had that. You have that mystique, but yeah, we're also real. Yeah, but Taz is fake. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but then there's the body language. And then you talked about like everything about like Brian Cage and why you didn't believe in Brian. And like, it's, it's seen. And this goes into my conversation that I I wanted to have with you. I will get to, it's just about this perception. And it's about just about what is being brought out on television and they're like mike tyson dude mike tyson he when you listen to his interviews he's like i brought this anger with and rage with me because i had it for real and but then a newer mike people might still say hey well uh i don't want to fight you conor mcgregor was another thing and then he became like kind of like i don't know gimmicky but he's still like a badass you want to have those badass characters. Sylvester Stallone and, and Rocky or in Cobra and Rambo, you all would be like, that's the baddest man in the world. And then like, I remember the first time meeting him and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe he's that small, <laughs> right? Because it's perception, how they shoot you, how they do so many little different things was what they used to do that they're not doing anymore. Uh, and, and like, even like, I love when, Uh, On social media, they'll do like either basketball plays or like somebody like going through a table and they play Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler and like somebody jumps off of a pool and like uh, off of a roof, not getting into the pool, trying to get into a table and they they take a face plan. Um, They if you added like circus music or comedy music to Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre stuff, it would make it all comedy. And you don't want to do that with two, perhaps, of the best, most over talents in your company. I liked how, yeah, they set up, but like, it's like you could only go to the well once or twice, but they kept on going to. And I get that, hey, we know he's going to show up, but you could do, think of this wrestler called Sting who used to hang out in the rafters and you would just wait to see him propel down. You knew he was going to be there when when trouble broke out. If you know, uh, Drew McIntyre could have done a bunch of different things for his break the glass Steve Austin moment, as opposed to like just being in the back. Because then honestly, uh, the ripple effects, Adam Pierce, by the way, is doing a phenomenal job in his role. He really is. Uh, as this, uh, he's not an authority, for, he's a, but like telling people and, and it makes me laugh because he's like, hey, I'm just trying to do my job because he's being told what to do and he's doing it great. But if this whole thing with retribution and this angles coming in, security's not getting, asking someone to leave who works for your company. Like how are they going to be able to fight off this retribution angle there? There's so many trickle down effects of this. And then Randy Orton, how many times are you going to lay out Randy Orton? If you keep on laying out Randy Orton, he's going to turn baby face on you. And then you're going to have, you know, baby face, Randy Orton versus baby face drew. Come on. Well, when it comes to security in the WWE, I think they're going the ring of honor route and they don't hire security. Anyway, uh, let's go out to Ben and Dave in Alabama. Ben, Dave, Ben and Dave, Dave and Ben, Finkel, Einhorn. What did you guys think about Raw last night? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Oh, hey, good morning, guys. It's Bama Dave. I'm sorry. Oh, Bama Dave. It says Ben and Dave. I thought there were like two people on the line. All right, Bama Dave, what do you got, kid? Well, maybe I should start, a, maybe I should start an ice cream chain and compete with those other two guys. Maybe it'd be good if I did that. All right. Um, if you got ice cream, me and Dream will buy it. <laughs> Absolutely. What's your favorite flavor? 
Can't Mario's say it cookies on and cream and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it too. How do you I'm spell flavor? F L A V A H. F L A V A H. Flavor. All right. Yeah. Bama Dave, what do you got? Raw, talk to us. Tell me something, kid. I just want to completely agree with you guys. Raw to me on a scale of one to 10, I'll give it a four or five. It was just meh. I, I just, I hear it every time, boy, every time you say nobody's over, it just rings so true to me that, okay, Randy Orton's over because of his, you know, his legacy and how long he's been there. And, but like, like Dreamer just said, okay, let, let, let McIntyre receipt him three kicks in a night, but in the midst, in the middle of the three kicks, let Randy do something dastardly and, you know, maybe try to pick on somebody and then boom, out of nowhere, he gets Claymore when we didn't see it coming. And, and then we don't see Drew McIntyre again until like 30 minutes later and Randy Orton's pissed and, and, you know, threatening management, we're security, we're security, then bam, he gets hit again out of nowhere. You know, make it fun, make it fun, entertaining, exciting instead of, okay, well, we know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. And that's just one example. But, but we, you know, we talk about the scripted versus unscripted and, and the over gimmick of things and how we just can see things coming a mile away and there's no surprise or suspense anymore. And, of course, social media and the dirt sheets don't help. They make it even worse for the fans. And we don't even get me started on the death of kayfabe. But I disagree with you guys. It's, it's changed so much. You know, everybody's like, well, they're, they're forcing Becky. They're forcing Charlotte. They're forcing Randy. I didn't feel like Stone Cold was ever forced or The Rock was ever forced or HBK was ever forced. And we saw them every week, but they got over. It's just a whole right, different t- time, and I'm not a fan of what they're doing. Dave, tell me about something raw that you did like. I do like Cedric Alexander going over to the Hurt Business because it's the future generation. Bobby, MVP, and Shelton have been around for a long time, so putting a, their stamp on a younger kid, uh, I, I do like that. I, and I do like sh- uh, these younger guys. Like I want to see Ricochet get some more edge. And I think maybe him versus Cedric – We'll bring a little bit of that fire out of him, and he won't be such a you know smiley baby face guy. Maybe yeah. he and Cedric. Well, what do you do? Well, what do you do when a talent just doesn't have that fire? Yeah, I, there's a lot of I people think- who want to see more from Ricochet, and Ricochet can do the flip and the, this and the 450, and everything looks great. But there ain't an ounce of fire there. There's not a lick of fire right. there. All right. Right. So thanks for your call. We appreciate it, and give us some ice cream, Dreamer, Ricochet. Where's the fire? Um, uh, Listen, I'm a big fan of (laughs) Rick. When the answer starts with oof. Okay, go ahead. I think he does have that baby face fire. I think momentum going forward with Ricochet when he first debuted, all that stuff, he was on a roll. And then I don't know if he, I don't remember if he got hurt or if they just did the proverbial rip the carpet from underneath. Uh, that sometimes happens, happens a lot. Uh, I do see the fire in Ricochet. Like I liked when they all came out, uh, on top of the ramp. Um, uh, I viewed, I have viewed and always will view as possibly he possibly could be like the next Ray Mysterio. Cause he could do it all. He is missing something, but I think that something is more from the creative standpoint and yeah, you need to feel it. Dude, it's hard, Bubba. That that goes to another part of our conversation. Missing the fans and having the fans out there as your ultimate tag team partner is what's missing, and that that connection with people to feel it and to like see who's getting over. It's hard. I hate the wrestling business for the fact of Drew McIntyre deserves to be basking in the glory of the wrestling fans. Uh, same with Eddie Edwards' title reign. I wish fans got to see live just how great these these talents are and their title reigns are. I know we're dealing the best that we can, but then when you're dealing with these situations, you have to go above and beyond, just like wrestling companies for our safety, just like wrestling companies to try to get fans back, but then you're creative has to go above and beyond and you have to think of different things. I could literally watch, let's say baseball and basketball and hockey and look at the little creative things that are being done to keep viewership in a real sport. 
Now, could you imagine if every single, if they had the pencil in the NBA and every Lakers Rockets game is going to go to a double overtime and LeBron or James Harden are going to hit that three in wrestling. We can do that. We can't do that in the real sports. You know, you're talking about sports is working us to make them better. You talk about fans not being there or missing the fans hurting a performer like Ricochet. I understand what you're talking about because missing fans could hurt anybody. But here's what hurts guys like Ricochet. Here's what hurts guys like Apollo Crews. There are no heels for them to work with. And I understand guys like MVP Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin, okay? If I ever had the pencil and had guys like MVP Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin, I would let those guys go buck fucking wild on the entire roster and beat everybody down. Force guys like Ricochet to fight. Force guys like Apollo to fight. Not this canned heel crap that they do and i'm sorry that's what it is let a listen i know it's not a heel company i know it's a baby face company i know it's been a baby face company forever but pick a handful of guys and heat them up to the freaking sun let them be your heaters tommy there were plenty of nights where i didn't think you had enough fire in the ring with me. So I would put you in a corner and I would smack you in your fat face as hard as I could. And what happened? Boom. Here came the fire. Just from a smack. That's what has to happen here. Enough of the, okay, we're going to do this, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this. I'd like to see Shelton Benjamin punch Ricochet in the face. I'd like to see MVP stare down a mother effer like they were back in prison and challenge Apollo Crews, do something. I triple dog dare you to do something and make these guys fight with their fists. Fight with your fists. That's what baby faces do. Why is, that missing? Why is that missing so much? Yeah, dude. You know, when I was in Impact, you know, I was Bobby Lashley's personal agent. Do you know why? Because I knew how to get the most out of Bobby Lashley. And it's different that when Bobby Lashley's in Impact, everyone's like, oh, he's finally being what he is. And then he goes back somewhere else. And he's just like, why are they doing nothing with Bobby Lashley? <laughs> Makes the world of difference. You know what, Bobby? Let's break. Let's breathe. Let's take it all in. Now let's come back. We talk to the nation. We come out of brush. Come on. I'm fine. I'm breathing over here. I'm pouring water over my gills. I'm good. It'll be, everything's going to be all right. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast, World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovich buys it in to Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Tommy Dreamer is in a very, very bad mood. It's been a bit of a wonky show today, but the nation has done a great job. Tommy, you sent out a tweet earlier today. You said you got a problem with a lot of stuff going on uh, in each company, whether it's creative, whether it's talents, whether it's moves, spots, this, that, the other thing. The floor is yours, buddy. Tell me why you're pissed off about everything lately. Okay, and a shout out to uh, Vic Delicious who said shooting time is a hell of a name of a segment because, uh, yeah, this is kind of going to have to happen. First of all, I want everyone to know uh, I say this all with love. Uh, And if there's reasons why I'm saying all this, one, because I'm seeing people get hurt, and I also want people to have longevity and in this business. I also recently saw the Yankees catcher. His name is Eric Kratz. He's a 40-year-old catcher, and he got so emotional in a press conference talking about pitching, uh, helping younger pitchers uh, be established. Again, he was talking about 
uh, dealing with 20 year old pitchers and a, and a catcher in his forties, a guy who sits in the sun, bends down in a catching position and goes out there and pitches. And he starts crying during this interview and he's talking about it's because he's like, hey, man, I have kids and I hope one day somebody takes care of my kids this way. And it also stems from a conversation I had with Terry Funk. And me and Terry Funk are talking. He uh, just got out of a hospital. Um, he's doing good. And for a little bit, he wasn't doing so good. And he was just, you know, having this conversation. He's talking about, oh, there's not a lot of us left anymore. And... I, and he's like, so what's going on? All this stuff. <clears throat> and then he said something that really resonated with me. And he follows the business 100%. And he said, who's left to tell our stories? And I was like, well, you know, we all understand. Like, and I'm not talking about people dying. He's talking about the industry. And he's like, who are our storytellers? And I literally went to bed thinking like, Wow. And then it resonates with me with you where you say people who are over. And there's a lot of, <clears throat> if you think about all the people that have passed away, like as recent as Bob Armstrong, he was a storyteller. He was beloved. And then you look at WWE or you look at all these, uh, I, and I'm not finger pointing the finger at WWE. You look at all these wrestlers like, okay, who are the ones that we're talking about most? And these are the storytellers. And then I'm even thinking more, like it's a lot of second generation wrestlers and there's very few to break out through that mold. And there's certain aspects uh, of like, you know, and this is, you know, pre-COVID, but like I said, we have to adapt with the times. And it goes from creative management wrestler, really does. When we're talking about also, longevity, myself, yourself. I've never had a surgery. You've never had a surgery. Um, knock on wood. There's things that are being done wrong in this industry. I'm going to start with as simple as safety and as simple as a move, the snap mare. I could go and picture in my head or I could look in a magazine and look at a picture perfect snap mare. It's where the wrestler takes another person by their head. You kneel on one leg, almost like a genuflection or a Tim Tebow take a knee. And you flip the opponent over by their head and they land on their back. But I watch on professional wrestling now, wrestlers, and, and it, I'll tell you who taught me about this besides my own trainer. Cause I, and I know why this stands out. Cause I had a hard time taking snap mares. And I know that may sound funny for all the crazy bumps that I've taken, but snap mares was a hard move for me to take in wrestling school. So I really had to master that art because my trainer would stretch me. And I remember one time in WWE, I was blown up and hurricane goes, look at that lazy ass snap mare. If you ever go in the morning and bend down to like old school, pick up a newspaper or just go to bend down and pick something up, that's now the deliverance of a snapmare where someone is taking you by their head, not even bending down and flipping you by your head and popping your head up, which you know what's going to happen. You land on your tailbone and you're landing on and you only have so many tailbone bumps to take. And a snapmare was the most basic move out there. Textbook, old school, go look it up. But now other wrestlers, I don't know if it's because of your training that you're not being trained properly, but now I'm seeing it go on, happen on television. So it's becoming an industry norm and your industry norm is wrong. And everyone's going to be walking. Like I like to say the Terry Funk, I poop my pants walk, but he had a 60 year career, maybe longer than some people are going to have careers today. Cause like you said, Bubba, we're also not wrestling every week or I mean, every day, your body won't get callous to that. And when you take a wrong move, like as simple as the snap mare, it's going to mess you up for when you're my age or older or even younger. And then I don't know if you know this, but you can't go to your, um, what is that called? The where everyone's chiming about the union. Uh, what is that where you get paid a monthly wage at the NFL thing? What is that called, Bubba? Come on now, help me. Players Association? 
Yeah, no, not the Players Association. Well, you get paid for all your years of being a professional football player. Um, pension? There you go. Oh, I see. I don't even know the word because it doesn't exist. And you can't look at that. So then you got to go into like, oh, your savings, blah, blah, blah. But if you're not that super duper over quickly, let me tell you that it goes away. If you listen to my House of Hardcore podcast, I have current wrestlers, but I also have wrestlers that I like to talk about all positive that are surviving outside of the world and they're doing outside the world of wrestling because it's no longer there as a viable option to pay their bills. So as simple as the snapmare, it's wrong. You're doing it wrong. Whoever is teaching snapmares in that PC, I literally would walk in and say, hey, who teaches snapmares? You're fired because you're going to injure my wrestlers in the long term. Then I'm going to go now into a more dangerous move, the German suplex. I used to love taking German suplexes. I was Taz's crash test dummy all throughout, a guy who made a career of taking suplexes, of delivering suplexes. And guess what? Never did Taz hurt me. Um, you, bully, great German, a, a Saito German, a few times... My penis literally felt like it was entering my mouth because you folded me in half, but you folded me in half safely. I did not land on my head. You guided me. So I landed on my shoulder blades. I'm watching people taking other people, grabbing them around their waist and throwing them like they're pieces of shit. If someone did that to me, I would roll on my fat belly, get up, punch you in your face, kick you in your balls, and beat the hell out of you live on television or at an indie show. Because if you broke my neck, hey, I'm not going to have any more fight left in me or my livelihood ends. And, and in this industry, or if I'm, I'm, I'm talking AEW right now, I have Taz, I have Medusa, in my locker room who gave picture perfect German suplexes in NXT. I have Norman Smiley who could bridge, go back and look at the Chris Benoit's. There are very few people who are landing other people safely. Kurt Angle. Hey, I have the access to Kurt Angle. Or, hey, I have the access to a tape library where I could watch people landing other people safely and devastating. Because go and look at a Saito suplex. Guess what? It looked like it was killing people. It never hurt or killed people. When you're going to drop me on my head, I'm going to get up and hurt you. Because you're going to hurt somebody else and you never want to be that person who like hurts somebody else. And accidents are different when there's an accident that could have been averted or an accident been done differently because you weren't trained or executed the move properly. Now I'm going to go into the bigger spot where it's, hey, a planned fall. And go back and look on the WWE Network or go back and look at YouTube. Hey, I was the guy who kind of started that all. And I didn't have crash pads and I didn't have the proverbial safety mats. I walked into a filthy building and said, you're going to throw me from there. And I had no stunt training. I had nothing. I knew the person who was in control of this is me. If we're talking about we, we, we talked about it to death of people panicking and uh, the, the Sammy chair shot. Go back and look at the chair shot heard around the world. I safely crushed somebody. That was back when we didn't know about concussions. However, nobody should ever, I got to hurry up. I got to quickly throw a chair at somebody's head because we see that reaction. You never need to rush. You never need to do, look at the opening of Monday Night Raw's or even any other television show. It's faces. I see The Rock's eyebrow. I see Steve Austin's face. You see st faces of, of these people. Don't go out there. Bully and I are talking about the chair shot heard around the world. He's like, you know what you shouldn't have done? And I said, oh, the, the aluminum uh, gutter to the balls. And he just started laughing. And I was like, yeah, I watched that too. And I'm only telling you this again, because I don't want people making the mistakes 
that we made, myself, Bully Ray, Mark Henry. I have worked with all these guys, big ass men, never hurt me, could kill you with their bare hands or their weight. I remember a wrestler called the great Kali who had bad legs and he used to use me to help him get up. And one time he put his hand on my sternum and used me to get up. And I took him in the back and read this giant, the riot act and told him that if he ever does that again, I will beat the crap out of him in the ring and embarrass him and break his legs in front of everybody. Cause that's little. And he could, he didn't mean it just like a lot of wrestlers don't mean when they do things, but you need to go back and study and watch. And I'm not talking about I'm this old school wrestler. I'm doing this because I friggin' love you guys. And I love this business and it needs to be better. And we need to have more people over. So the industry continues and we need to have bigger storytellers back to the big bump, especially like with Matt Hardy. You know why that kind of went awry or awry, whatever the hell I'm trying to say. Awry is because yes, because Sammy then charged him, charges him high, and that impact and weight, it's, it's called science, people, gravity, velocity. And if you're shooting somebody high, you're going to overshoot that. Same with the snap mare, because you're hooking someone high and causing them to land wrong. You need to be in control of these crazy-ass spots if you're going to do it. The Ray Mysterio, uh, the Dominic Mysterio, Buddy Murphy thing was phenomenal and looked like a frigging car crash. Do you know why? Because it was executed perfectly. And it was, yeah, that table broke. And yeah, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but it's not going to hurt or kill somebody. We almost watched Matt Hardy. Literally, he could have died there on television. And then, of course, everyone's, I watched other footage and people like, oh, he hit the table. They missed the table. Ha, ha, ha. Shame on you, social media people, because these are people's livelihoods. I wish to God that same person who laughed at that, Rebby Hardy could uh, encounter that person because that's the only girl I really ever feared because she goes crazy because that's her husband and that's the father of her children and rightfully so. So what I'm trying to say is we need to be perfectionists. We need to be perfectionists. And I use this analogy all the time. Tom Brady, winning as quarterback, greatest quarterback, highest paid quarterback around that, that uh, left the Patriots will be beloved forever. He has all these people making him better. It's up to the coaches. It's up to the management. It's up to everybody to make us better. And this is Tom Brady in a real sport where people are literally trying to hurt this person to make him drop a ball or not do his job. We don't have that. Everyone's job should be working together. And he has the greatest, he had the greatest head coach. He had offensive line coach. He had so many coaches who went on become coaches of other teams. We cannot be afraid to tell our higher positions. Hey, well, what if we did this way? Sometimes people need to get to step up. Because if not, they're going to get hurt or careers are going to get end. And we're not going to be able to have those storytellers anymore. There's me shooting on the industry. Be better. Do you have an opinion on what should have happened with the Matt Hardy situation? What would you have done in that moment? And I know this is very Monday morning quarterback, but what would you have done? I think they handle it the best situation that they can. Cause it's live. And when we saw Matt couldn't get to his feet. Great. Honestly, dude, you and I come from a different era. If I could not, if I can't breathe any more life in my body, I'm going to continue to fight because I know this is, that's just me. And Matt shares that same matitude. And I'm sure he told the doctor, I'm fine. I'm fine. And hey, he went to the, I guess, reports. He didn't have a concussion. He got his life saved. We get our bell rung, which is considered a concussion if you're you know, talking to Chris Nowinski. And yeah, but people can, uh, I jokingly talked about, I, could, I used to fight through concussions. And like, because 
there's people who are different breeds and I believe they stopped the match. They covered it. And then they went back to, cause I'm sure Matt who has something called pride was saying, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And that's why they went and did it. I don't know. That's something for hopefully we get Matt on here. Um, and yeah, there there's literally, there was two people at fault there. It was Matt and Sammy, but Sammy charging is then going to take the projectile of where you wanted to go. And then jumping high is going to make you land. It's, it's landing on your head. And that's why I started with the snapmare and I went from the lowest move to the highest move, but they all have the same ramifications of somebody getting hurt. How AEW handled it. Just like we handled this show when we didn't even know we're not on the air. We continued to go on and then we're going to try to make up as we go along because to quote JR, we're live buddy. And we love this show and we love our audience. It's that same passion we give to this show that we do in a performance. So how they handled it. Hey man, they handled it the best way they possibly could during that time. And it could stem all the way back to the Owen Hart situation. Yeah. At the time they handled it the best way that they could. If that happened today where a wrestler passes away at a show, I think they would just stop the show because we have to learn from our mistakes. Just like I said, the aluminum gutter to the balls meant nothing. But back then that 24 year old Tommy dreamer just wanted that extra pop as opposed to the monumental chair shot heard around the world. But there should never be a chair shot heard around the world anymore because I'm trying to teach you from my experiences of what I've learned. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.